Hello, friends. This is Nathan Powell. I co-host a brand new podcast called Dynasty Double Take with Dan Sanyo. We join the DLF family of podcasts with unique Dynasty arguments in a short 10 to 12 minute format. Dan and I love to debate Dynasty, and we hope you enjoy our banter as we discuss topics like trade offers, coaching, draft capital, and much, much more. You're listening to the DLF Dynasty Podcast, where there is no off-season. Welcome back to another episode of the DLF Dynasty Podcast. I'm your host again this week, Matt Price. With me, as always, Ryan McDowell and Dan Myler. We're back to talk some more free agency. Uh, we got lucky last week, fellas, when uh, the Odell Beckham news broke in the middle of our recording. Uh, Ryan, are, your, are you fully dressed? Are you, is all your, your clothes back on after, after that one? They are for now. I'm I'm just waiting to see who signs, who gets traded during this episode. Maybe, maybe if we're lucky, Randall Cobb will sign with somebody, and and then it will really get crazy. Only in Ryan McDowell's world will Randall Cobb signing uh, a contract at thirty plus years old be equal. He's twenty eight. Oh, he's twenty eight years old. Be equal to OBJ. Getting yeah, but his body is like forty seven. <laughs> I I did uh, see a, a report that. Cobb is set to visit Dallas, yep. and if Cobb and Cooper end up on the same team, then I, I may actually become a Cowboys oh, fan. Oh, disgusting. Wow. Yep. Sorry to our well, Cowboy fans. And I heard a rumor today that, that Sean Payton was going to take over that job next year, so you know it'll be a, a legit team with those two. Yeah, I've, I've definitely heard that for the past <laughs> 10 years. <laughs> Uh, all right, well, let's get into it. Of course, uh, now that we got the OBJs out of the way, uh, we got to get to the next tier of, of these free agents. And Le'Veon Bell, probably the biggest one of those, Dan. Four years to the Jets, $52.5 million, $25 million guaranteed. How do you like him on the uh, the green and white there in, in New York? Yeah, it's fine. You know, it's kind of what a lot of people have talked <laughs> about for a long time. You know, every time I look at the reports or see a tweet about Le'Veon Bell landing in New York with the Jets, I kind of roll my eyes just because all the money he gave away and it didn't did. And then he couldn't match those types of offers that he's expecting to get in free agency. So it seemed from all the reports that I saw that he kind of settled for the Jets because that was the best offer that was out there. And it seems to me as a dynasty owner or as a fantasy owner, it's the same feeling. It feels like we're settling there. There's there's just there's not a lot to get super excited about. Uh, our listeners know I'm a big Sam Darnold guy and believe that if they, they put the right weapons around him, that he can take the next step. I guess this is the first step to that. We'd like to see some more pass catchers in New York. That would help both the quarterback and Bell. It's not It's not the worst signing. It's not the worst landing spot. Uh, there's certainly some potential for him to put some big numbers up there because there aren't those other heavy hitters in that offense. And we've even seen that if there were in Pittsburgh, those players were, were already in place and, and he put up big numbers. So there's, there's a reason to be optimistic for sure. It's not the ideal spot, um, but it's fine. Yeah, that's kind of where I am too. We heard some, some rumored teams that were pretty interesting, especially late in that process. Uh, Baltimore, Chicago, Houston. I think all of those would have been better from a 
a fantasy or a dynasty standpoint, but I was looking at Adam Gase's uh, record as far as his running back production and three years as an offensive coordinator, three years uh, as a head coach, he produced or, or his players produced, I guess I should say five seasons as the RB 14 or better. So uh, five out of six, gave us at least RB14, and, and th- none of those were Le'Veon Bell levels. So in the short term, I think Bell can recoup some of that value he lost over the past year. I don't think he quite climbs back up to the first round range when you're looking at startup ADP, but he can certainly gain some value from this point forward. Still a multiple first kind of buy for you, Ryan, or is that, is that a sell point for you? I, I'm not buying for multiple first, no, uh, but – that's that's not really my mo anyway. I'm I'm not buying very many running backs for multiple first, uh, but I, I do think in general at his at his value, I think he's probably a buy. I think that's probably the expectation if you're selling Bell though. You're you're looking to capitalize on that kind of bump or the returned value that has kind of come after waiting for an entire year for some kind of spike in value. You're hoping to get that kind of return if, if you're looking to trade him at this point, though. Yeah, I, I do think he's a hold or, or, or potentially a buy for sure. Uh, Dan, you mentioned getting more pass catchers in there. I kind of don't want any more pass catchers in there because right now, I, I think obviously they are going to draft some guys. But right now, like if I gave you an over-under of 75 receptions for Bell. That seems like a pretty solid over the way that roster is constructed today. Yeah. So if that's the case, I think he's he's firmly a top you know half of the running back ones, uh, in fantasy for at least at least for twenty uh, twenty nineteen and, and probably for at least another year after that. Uh, let's move on to Tevin Coleman. A little bit of a disappointing signing, guys. Uh, Ryan, we'll go back to you here. Forty ers for two years, eight and a half million, five point two five guaranteed. Uh, but there's a really easy out in twenty twenty per Spotrack. Um, I'm going to throw these all together, actually. The Niners, because they also re- re-signed Raheem Mostert for three years for $8.7 million. Less guaranteed money, only three, but a, a contract overall value worth even a little bit more than, uh, than, than Coleman there. So now they have four guys, Mostert, Coleman, Brita, and McKinnon still. Uh, that seems like a mess to me. Uh, do you think Coleman can emerge from this and, and kind of be the lead producer there? I kind of do, and, and it has been out there in the news on Twitter that they could get out of this McKinnon deal pretty easily as well. I think in fact, he's already um, already been paid all of his guaranteed money. If I saw that correctly. So if that's the case, McKinnon could be uh, could be gone before the season begins, whether that's a trade or, or just outright release of him. And that's really the only way this makes sense because to me, Coleman and McKinnon are, are very similar players. Uh, I'm not sure either of them are necessarily suited to be lead backs or every down backs, which, which makes the signing even, even more confusing. Yeah, and what's confusing to me are the reports that there wasn't a signing bonus included in Tevin Coleman's deal and, and that there wasn't a whole lot of guaranteed money uh, even even in roster bonuses and things like that. So I'm I'm a little bit perplexed that, you know, a year ago a lot of us were thinking maybe Coleman would be that top guy in the running back market or could be one of those guys that, that translate into one of those big contracts that we're excited about seeing. Of course, he had, he had a pretty rough 2018 in Atlanta, 
and apparently that market wasn't wasn't very strong for Tevin Coleman. So I'm I'm with Ryan on it. You know, I'm not sure if there's a lead back that's currently there in San Francisco or a guy that you really want on your roster or really want are excited about having as potentially like a running back two to put in your lineup every week. There there's probably going to be one out of this group though most likely, uh, and maybe it differs from week to week. So these guys are obviously roster worthy. I'm, I'm not super excited about having Tevin Coleman or, or having, I, I don't have very high expectations out of him after looking at that contract though. But if they do trade Jarek McKinnon, I think Coleman gets a huge boost. Absolutely. Value. Yeah. And, yeah. and it could be, kind of go either way. I, like after looking at the contract, I thought to myself, what if Coleman, Coleman doesn't make the team or something like that. McKinnon suddenly takes another jump and vice versa. What you just said, if if McKinnon were to move on, Coleman would be the guy that you'd want to own, obviously. So, you know, I I just, because there's nothing in concrete there, there's nothing paved in stone with that 49ers backfield. It's just hard to be ecstatic or excited about having one of those guys penciled in as a running back two, or maybe even a flex play at this point. Well, if you look at our, if you look at our March ADP, and this this was done before Coleman signed, these guys are right beside each other. Tevin Coleman is RB twenty seven, uh, Jarrett McKinnon RB twenty eight. If you if you round up, they actually have the exact same ADP of eighty one. So based on that, they're they're being valued the same. I easily want Tevin Coleman of the two. I think he feels safer at this point. I kind of fall on the other side. I don't think it's easily. Um, but I slightly, uh, you know, I shouldn't even, I slightly nudge myself towards McKinnon. I, I'm not sure why though. I think it's maybe recency bias because I, I saw why. Tevin Kilman play all year long and he had that huge opportunity and he didn't look that good. Why do you think Matt? But, but he's also, I think, significantly cheaper in trades right now because I think Coleman's going to cost you a minimum of a late first, and I bet you can get it done for McKinnon just based off of the signing news for, for a late second, maybe a mid-second if you have to. So uh, you're paying significantly less for you know perhaps similar production, and, and maybe the PPR production would lean towards McKinnon a little bit there too if, if it ended up being both of those two. You know, maybe, maybe Breida is the odd man out here because they just re-signed Moster, so maybe they decide to keep both of those top two guys, and, and Breida is, is kind of the one that goes. They, they can't feel confident in Brita uh, as, no. as their second guy, uh, and certainly as anything more than that uh, after, you know, after the endless amount of injuries that he had a year but ago. But really, that whole depth chart is full of guys like that that, that have injury question marks and, and a history that make yeah. dynasty owners kind of cringe looking, looking at them and, and trying to expect anything from them for more than the, the first handoff of any football game that they're – they're the starter in. So, I, you know, I don't know if there's a guy that I'm in, in San Francisco, at least in their backfield, that I'm excited about having on my team right now. All right, let's go to my favorite signing of this uh, this air, this section of the free agency period. Back on our, I think it must have been several episodes ago, it was guys where, guys where we had did a draft of the available free agents, and I really wanted Mark Ingram to go to the Ravens. So I got my number one landing spot for him. just feels like a great uh, great signing for him. That There's no one in the way, in my opinion. He gets three years from the Ravens for $15 million, Dan. How do you feel about yeah, this? Yeah, you kind of stole my thunder because this is my favorite of this group. And, and probably, <laughs> I think the... The sneaky favorite 
of the entire offseason worth of moves. You can talk about OBJ and Le'Veon Bell and all, all the big signings and, and everything that's happened to this point. But like you were just saying, Matt, Ingram to the Ravens seems like a match made in heaven. That seems like an ideal landing spot. Um, that bruiser that's between the tackles. They they like to run an offense that features a primary running back that gets 18 to 25 touches in a game. And that's what we look for in dynasty circles. We've seen other running backs go through there, through Baltimore over the last couple of years that fit that same type of profile, but don't have the same skill set as Mark Ingram, those big backs that, that bruise in the middle. And, you know, Ingram really is, is an ideal fit in Baltimore. I love his potential to average 18 to 20 touches a game in that offense, even with that quarterback in place. Ideal match made in heaven for me and a, and a guy at his age, considering his value right now in Dynasty, seems like a value to me. Yeah, I, I love it as well. I think a lot of these players change teams in, in every offseason and, and then later we have the draft and you've got all these new players on new teams and sometimes it's it's hard to keep them all straight and, and sometimes these players just look weird uh, the first couple times you see them playing for that new team that's not going to be the case with Mark Ingram he just feels like a raven already he does. Um, I, I think it's a it's a perfect a uh, perfect match and seeing the the offensive transition they had uh, since Lamar Jackson took over you have to feel pretty pretty excited if you own Mark Ingram. I, I was, again, looking at this ADP and just trying to think, how high could this guy climb? He was actually RB35 in March, and again, that's uh, that was pre, uh, pre-free agency or before the signing. Um, and, and just looking, how many of these guys can he jump ahead of? Kenyon Drake was 34. I think he, he obviously blows by him. James White, 33. I'm going to skip some of the rookies. The, the Seattle guys, Carson and Penny, were 29 and 30. San Francisco guys, 27 and 28. Coleman and McKinnon. Tariq Cohen is 26. So so we're looking at potentially a, a 10 or 12 spot jump uh, just among the running backs for Mark Ingram. Yeah, I'm, I'm loving it. I love him in that offense. We, we all know what running quarterbacks do for running backs. It makes them all the more effective. And we can't forget that, uh, not including last year, the previous three years, uh, 2015, 2016, 2017, he averaged 50 catches a, a year. So this isn't just a purely a, a bruiser. He can catch the ball too. Um, it's probably going to do a lot about that. I, I would guess that uh, my projections, I don't, not that I do projections, but I would project him to have like the most touches that he's had in his career at this point, uh, which at this point uh, is 230 carries and 58 receptions. So I can see him blowing by that mark pretty easily in this offense. Are you paying a are you paying a late first rounder for Mark Ingram right now? Yes, I would pay up to the one ten pretty easily. On a, on a title contender, I'm absolutely. And th- those numbers that you just said, Matt, if that happens in 2019, we're talking about a mid to low end running back one. In yeah, for, for at least one season, and that that contract, it's a three year deal. They're looking at him as a at least a one to two year starter and a one to two year primary part of that offense with that quarterback. I th- I'm I'm in line, and we're sharing a brain on, on how Ingram's going to be used there in Baltimore, and I, I expect running back one numbers in 2019 for sure. All right, let's go to another running back, an, another older guy, uh, a little bit older than Ingram, Adrian Peterson, back with Washington for two years, $3 million guaranteed. I, uh, he had a nice season last year, guys, uh, probably better than any of us expected for sure, 
but Darius Geis should be back and healthy. So uh, it's going to be interesting how these two play off each other because I don't really feel like Adrian Peterson is a guy who's going to be happy just sitting back and not and not getting some work. And uh, if him and Geis are going to play relatively the same role, uh, it makes me a little bit nervous with Geis too, including this the team situation between the offensive line, the quarterback, uh, no no receiving weapons to be found. Uh, I just this this feels like a like a gross situation for a running game too, Dan. Well, to me, it just seems like an insurance policy. This is a in case Geist doesn't come back and doesn't isn't fully recovered early in the season or has a setback in the preseason or throughout training camp. We need a guy that we know will show up every week and and knows our offense and you know can play the same type of role. So it doesn't concern me when it comes to Geis or anything like that. I, I think he's still on pace or on schedule and they everybody in Washington, I would assume, has high hopes that he's going to be the guy and, and carry the ball uh, or, or at least be the focus guy of that offense. Peterson probably didn't have any other options. If, if last year's offseason uh, suggests anything, it's that no, nobody else wanted him and when he finally got that chance in Washington, he played well, but but who really wants that aging tailback on their roster? It's just going to be the Redskins and just to be that that insurance policy, if you ask me. Yeah, this is this is a tough situation to read. I, I certainly see, Dana, I see that point of view, and, and it is probably safe to say Peterson didn't have many other options. Overall, it's been an ugly running back market in general. I mean, even, even Le'Veon Bell didn't get the contract that he was – he was seeking and we still see a couple of these guys out and available, but with Peterson, uh, I mean, it, it has to be a little bit of a concern that, that they even wanted to bring him back. Um, and of course we've, we've seen some negative reports on guys as far as his recovery and setbacks and things like that. But still the, the biggest concern for me is what Matt mentioned, just that this team is going to be terrible. It, it's, it looks like it's already between them and, uh, them and the Dolphins for the the 101 in 2020. And I just don't know if I want any of these players on this offense. Of course, Geis is, is a great prospect. Um, uh, even even with the injury in his rookie year, these guys might, this team might be a couple years away from being respectable. And Geis feels like a sell to me in Dynasty because of that alone, not even because of the Peterson factor. Totally, I'm. 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 I love guys as the player, but man, this feels bad. And and I think this is a, a slam dunk in terms of a guy that you could sell right now and turn around and buy cheaper uh, next next off next off season. So. Um, all right, let's go to some wide receivers. Golden Tate, this is a really weird signing. I don't understand it at all, but he went to the Giants for four years, 37.5, 22.95 guaranteed. Ryan, how do they just not going to throw the ball downfield at all? Is this all going to be like throws over five yards over the field to either Tate or Shepard or Ingram or to, uh, to Saquon, of course? It feels like really like Evan Ingram is shaping up to be the lead receiver here. Well, you know who their quarterback is, right? <laughs> so, yeah, they're, they're not going to throw the ball down the field. I mean, it, it really makes total sense. You look at a, a team like Buffalo, with they, they've got young quarterback with a huge arm, and they sign all these guys that can – they can run down the field in, in 4.2 seconds. And, and then you've got the giants that for some reason are committing to, to Eli Manning again, uh, stubbornly. And, and they're signing guys who are, are going to have that a dot, you know, under 10 yards or something. So 
it is a weird signing. He feels he feels kind of um, feels kind of like Sterling Shepard. I mean, I, how many guys can you play in the slot? Can you play more than one at a time? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I don't I don't know who the outside guy is. For Tate, unfortunately, I mean, it just seems like a money grab. You know, it, early before free agency started, he said he wanted to play for the Patriots. Then he said he wanted to play for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, evidently, though, none of those teams were interested or, or maybe didn't uh, offer him the contract that he wanted. So he goes from <laughs> looking at those, those top contenders, hopefully, to the, the bottom dweller there. Yeah, and I'm, I'm going to echo the same thing. It just doesn't seem like a, like a nice fit at all. Shepard seems like the same kind of guy. I saw a report, and maybe uh, it was just wishful thinking from a, from a Patriots beat reporter talking about how Sterling Shepard might be a nice fit for them. Maybe they should see if he's available. Shepard was the guy outside of Ingram that I was excited about in this offense and thought there was a potential with OBJ moving on for him to step into – uh, a little bit r- bigger role. We've seen him get 100-plus targets a couple of times now and turn it into 65 catches for 800 yards and a few touchdowns. Um, he's going into the last year of his contract. So I I kind of thought maybe that fourth year in the same offense with the same quarterback, Shepard could take a s- step forward. Uh, still hopeful that, that that happens, but Golden Tate muddies the water for him for sure. So uh, not overly optimistic about Tate in this offense that, that he's going to become something he's never been before or take his game to another level, especially at his age. And don't really expect a lot of dynasty owners to be excited about the signing or the landing spot for him. So unfortunately, if you're a Tate owner, I, I think you're not going to get enough to, to trade him away. You're most likely holding him and plugging him in as a wide receiver three and, and watching him uh, catch crossing routes from Eli for seven yards five times a game. Yeah, 12 personnel with Ingram and Red Ellison and and Golden Tate and, Ster- and Sterling Shepard does not really feel like a successful offense. Maybe maybe Belichick could make it work uh, with Brady, but not. I don't know. I don't know about with Eli. So, all right, let's move on to Tyrell Williams. Raiders four years, 44 million dollars, 22 guaranteed. Dan, I'm actually a little bit excited about this one. If they had a better quarterback, I'd be way excited about it. So maybe they will get that guy when they draft Tyler Kyler Murray, right? Um, so uh, I, I quite like this deal for the Raiders and Tyrell Williams. Yeah, I, I like it, uh, especially with Antonio Brown already in place, and he gets to be the second guy and you know get the second guy's coverage and no double teams and things like that. Um, it's it seems like a nice fit, uh, certainly a Raiders kind of guy and uh, a guy that has the potential to get down the field and, and make some plays. I don't even necessarily hate the the fit with Derek Carr. Derek Carr has had uh, some success going downfield to those bigger receivers. Um, he had his his one big season, and and you know that was a big part of that game. So or a big part of his game that year. So I, I think it's a good fit. I think he's a guy that at least took some kind of spike in value over the last week or so, and a guy that I'm a little more excited about having on my team today than I was before he signed. I guess we disagree about this one. I, I'm not as excited. I just don't see I don't see really any type of role difference for him. Um, you said he was the second guy or would have the chance to be the second guy in Oakland. That that feels like 
pretty much the same thing we saw with the Chargers. Of course, Mike Williams was there to to give a little bit more competition. Um, so maybe he sees a few more targets, which which could make a difference. But he's still that boomer bust guy. I think he's he's a nice asset on a on a best ball team. But it's it's tough to you know it's tough to start him on a weekly basis. And he certainly took a downgrade at the quarterback position and and the overall offense. So I would probably drop him in my rankings if I'm updating those post free agency. Well, that, that that's a little surprising to me in Los Angeles and San Diego. Before that, you mentioned Williams and, and of course, Keenan Allen, but they had the tight ends in place and Travis Benjamin was getting snaps and reps and and kind of playing a lot of that same role of being that big guy that got down the field and and you know, was targeted 30 plus yards from the line of scrimmage. So I I just don't see a whole lot of a whole lot more talent on that Oakland roster right now. That's going to, you know, you can say what you want about Marcel Aitman. He had a nice finish to the season, but Tyrell Williams is a lot more talented than he is. Seth Roberts. Well, he's had a couple of games of production here and there, I don't see him taking snaps away from Terrell Williams either. So, you know, I know J.J. Nelson signed there as well. Um, He's a deep threat, and there's probably a role for him, maybe not on a fantasy roster, but but certainly in that Oakland offense. But it seems pretty cut and dry that Terrell Williams is going to be on the field uh, regularly for that offense, and he should get targets on a regular, regular basis, at least in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. I mean, they they do have the the most targeted receiver over the last six or seven years on that team as well. Right. Uh, that yeah. that one guy um, <laughs> that should factor so in, right? <laughs> he, he'll he'll probably see a few targets. Antonio Brown, of course, I'm talking about. But I, I guess I guess in my mind, the downgrade in overall offense, the downgrade at quarterback, uh, is is a bigger factor than a potential upgrade in targets or in a in a role i think it, yeah i think he'll get more than a few extra targets i mean back in 2016 when he when Allen was injured he had 119 and put up a thousand yards and seven touchdowns the last two seasons he's been right around 65 to 70 targets so i think we can expect you know back up into at least that 100 110 range uh, but again that's going to depend on that offense and what they can do there that quarterback certainly isn't uh very attractive right now for dynasty or really nfl we'll see if gruden changes his mind on him uh but another quarterback not very attractive anymore ryan Tannehill, uh, he's he's a backup now, you guys. One year, $2 million with the Titans. Uh, he might be the best backup in the league, I guess, maybe. Uh, but he's a backup now. Um, but the guy, the guy that replaced him, Ryan Fitzpatrick, uh, with the Dolphins, two years for $11 million, max value of $20 million with incentives. This this feels like a weird signing to me, too. Like, if you're going to go ahead and dump Tannehill, why not just – you could have paid him $2 million and continued to tank for two or whatever you're going to do there in Miami. Fitzpatrick seems like a guy they, they kind of sort of want to try to win with, but I guess we'll see how it works out. Maybe for fantasy uh, he can have some kind of offensive explosion like he did with Tampa Bay last year. But uh, this this feels weird, too. I think it makes a little bit of sense, actually. I mean, obviously they, they had to sign somebody. They couldn't go in with – Jake Ruduk and whoever they had there. Um, so they had, they had to do something. Fitzpatrick relatively cheap uh, com- compared to other quarterbacks. And uh, uh, as great as he was early in the season last year, I mean, he's a guy who traditionally is just going to throw it up for grabs and he's going to throw more than his share of interceptions. So yeah, they're, they're still just biding their time until the 2020 draft. This, 
this kind of makes sense, I think. You know, I, I keep hearing that story that they're they're waiting for that 2020 draft. And, you know, I, I'm not necessarily convinced that they don't really like a prospect that's in this draft. So I don't I, I at least don't think we should write it off that there's somebody in this draft that they're excited about and that they could take a shot at one of these quarterbacks early this year as well. That really doesn't matter. Fitzpatrick as a as a dynasty quarterback we've seen those those big ups and then the big downs and then the benchings and you know how he kind of turns turns a no-name receiver or a middling receiver into something useful for us I think that's probably where the storyline lies with with this signing uh, at least from a dynasty perspective short-term value bump to potentially Kenny Stills or Albert Wilson I, I wouldn't dare say Devontae Parker. <laughs> you know, maybe Mike Gusecki gets a bump from this. We'll see. You know, I, I'm not sure I'm I'm in love with any of these options. If I was going to go and, and hitch my wagon to anybody, it'd probably be Stills in the downfield passing. He likes to, likes to get the ball deep and in those seams. Fitzpatrick I'm talking about. Stills certainly plays that role, uh, catches passes between the corner and the safety and zone coverage, and Fitzpatrick likes to sling him in there. So I, c- I could see a short-term surge for Stills. So I guess if uh, if you're looking for somebody cheap out there, uh, maybe you can get a discount there and find a guy that could be a wide receiver three or flex guy for you. Dan, in a, I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit here. In a, in a super flex format, you probably don't want Fitzpatrick as more than your quarterback three, right? But you know, would you go out and buy him? And if so, what would you pay to get him as like that kind of solid third starter for bye weeks or injuries or whatever? I'm I'm not giving up much to be honest with you. Uh, it's just been so volatile with him. He goes up, 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 and then spikes down so hard that I I don't know how comfortable I even feel with him being that third guy in a super flex. Fair enough, Ryan. Any any thoughts there? Similar. Similar. Yeah. I don't. If he's already on my roster, then. I feel pretty good right now because I feel like I got something where there was a chance he was he was just a cut or or you know took a, a clear backup job. So I'm I'm pretty happy at that point. But as far as the trade target, um, no, not not a guy I would look at. Would you sell him for a late second? Oh yeah, yep, yep. Okay, you bet. Okay, all right. Uh, and uh, let's see. Let's go to Tyler Eifert. Uh, I don't know. I don't know about this one, you guys either. Uh, they did resign CJ Azoma already to a three-year deal. This one seems like a what the heck. Let's see if he has anything left on a one-year prove-it deal. Any interest here, Ryan? Um, no, not much. Uh, unfortunately, because I think he's uh, a super talented player. Um, just, just these these injuries, and I I don't know enough about the medical end of things to say if he's injury prone or, or any, you know, any term like that. But all I know is he gets hurt every year. He hasn't played. Uh, if you look at the past three years, he hasn't even played one full season uh, worth of games in that time. So uh, a player that I'll be rooting for, if I have him on my roster still from last year, uh, I'll uh, hope he can give me one or two games as a starter and, and certainly hope he can stay healthy, but nobody I'm counting on for sure. Yeah, it's the same conversation we've had for the last couple of years. I think, in fact, last year he signed the one-year deal back in Cincinnati to to hopefully stay healthy and, and prove it that, that he can and, and maybe get a bigger deal or, or a little better contract or whatever. Uh, I'm going to echo what Ryan said there. I'm, I'm rooting for him. I loved watching him uh, stretch the field and create opportunities for the other receivers, especially A.J. Green there in Cincinnati. 
Hopefully we get to see that again and that athleticism is still there. Uh, if it is and he's named the starter going into a game, I, I can see him being a useful uh, piece to your to your dynasty or to your to your ro- fantasy roster. But looking at him as an option of more than one week when when he's named that starter is is not a good idea for dynasty owners. Dan, I threw this guy in there because it's kind of an interesting fit. Bruce Ellington, he's, he's lived in the slot his whole career. His, his story is it's always, can he stay healthy? But, you know, maybe as uh, with, with the Patriots here, one year for $895,000, he might be a PPR option for, for, for pretty cheap. Yeah, I'm glad you put him in there because Ellington was a guy I liked coming out of college. And when he, when he was in San Francisco, he was a guy I had a, on a lot of my rosters. So um, he profiles as that little slot guy that's quick in small spaces and good at finding uh, openings in zone defenses especially. And that's the kind of guy that the Patriots like to take a look at and potentially give a role to. Uh, this The contract and everything that, that is involved there screams – let's see what this guy has in the first week or two of training camp and see if we can find something for nothing. Uh, Bill Belichick just constantly turning over the roster and seeing if he can find a gem. Uh, us as dynasty owners have to at least respond to that. In, in larger leagues, he's worth a roster spot for sure at this point, at least to see what happens through August. And, and if he lands on that Patriots roster, there's the potential for, for, like you said, the PPR value to come out. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Maybe I'm just worried, <laughs> worried too much about injuries with him as well. Um, uh, another guy that, as you said, Matt has had trouble staying on the field. But he's a free agent in most dynasty leagues, or at least most big, big roster dynasty leagues. Right, right. I mean, you're not, you're not really paying anything for this no. for him, which, which has to factor in uh, to the conversation, but. I, I would only say that if he's free, I, I want I want him as the 25th guy on my roster probably right now. Maybe I cut him after the draft or whatever. Or if there's a, a weekly waiver wire going on in the offseason and it's time to put in the bid, I'm, I'm going to put the $1 on him and try to get him on my team if, if it's free. I, I guess my thought on on this is, like, they need outside guys, right? I mean, right. Uh, Gronk is still a question mark. As far as a big target, Josh Gordon, no. Chris Hogan, no. And and then they just continue to focus on these, um, you know, the Amendola, Ellington, and and you know, just all, Ellington, Edelman, all these guys. Um, I just I just wonder what they're going to do on the outside. It it makes me wonder what Detroit was doing signing Amendola to a five five million dollar contract when they could have just had Ellington back for the same thing for eight hundred ninety five thousand or Randall Cobb uh, or Randall Cobb yeah uh, <laughs> okay Ryan who makes more in twenty Ryan who makes more in twenty nineteen Bruce Ellington or Randall Cobb um, eight hundred ninety five oh it's a good line he can get more than that in, in endorsements in Green Bay so. <laughs> Uh, all right, these these last three guys, I'm just going to throw them all together. Three dynasty, previous dynasty darlings. Jordan Matthews signs with the Niners. Kevin White with the Cardinals. And Dante Moncrief to the Steelers. We'll go back to you, Ryan. Any of these three interesting at all? Uh, definitely for me. I, I really like Moncrief, actually. I am have, have still been holding on to his hype since uh, several <laughs> years ago with, with the Colts. I don't know. I think people feel like last year was a, a disappointing year for him. And... 
given that offense and, and the quarterback situation, I was actually kind of impressed. He got paid there in Jacksonville and, and then took a pay cut, but obviously lands in a much better situation with Pittsburgh. Uh, of course, going through the, the transition and the changes they have, there should be plenty of targets available. So I really like Moncrief as a target, and I would uh, I would take a shot on Jordan Matthews as well if he's out there for free or, or very cheap. Kevin White, no, terrible still. Well, I'm not going to say <laughs> Kevin White's terrible, but oh my God, that caught me off guard. You know, you he's should. never been good for a dynasty owner or anything like that. Uh, but geez, uh, I'm going to echo what, what Ryan said once again. Moncrief, for sure. Uh, I think he, he took a big spike in value and uh, could potentially be the number two target in that offense. I, would people be shocked if... James mm-hmm. Washington continued to play a developmental role and, and a guy that's been around a little bit with Moncrief kind of surges into that number two guy behind Juju and, and, and gets a pile of targets in 2019, at least in the short term. I certainly wouldn't. And, and you know, I don't know what he's going for as far as in, in trades or even in ADP at this point, but it seems like there's going to be a little bit of value there. And I think Matthews could carve out a role in San Francisco. I might even be a little bit more uh, on board with Matthews with the 49ers than Ryan was there. Um, Outside of Pettis, I don't know if there's a guarantee, uh, well, Pettis and Kittle, of course, for targets in that offense. Um, Marquise Goodwin, uh, lots of question marks there, and beyond that, there there's really not a whole lot in place. So Matthews, there's there's definitely a chance, and and again, all these teams could add more receiver depth, whether through free agency or a high draft pick. I think I think Matthews is a guy that that's especially cheap right now. That I'm, another guy I want as the 25th guy in my roster. I would see you said James Washington might might disappoint because of him, but I kind of feel like Moncrief should go and play that big slot role kind of like Heinz Ward used to do for them Uh, that's kind of the ideal role I see for him and it's more of that possession receiver I mean I'd rather looking at some of the other guys we've talked about today I'd rather have Moncrief than Tyrell Williams wow that's strong is it that doesn't even feel strong for me it is for me it is but I've never been the Moncrief guy back when when Moncrief was there was several months then where where Moncrief was going higher than T.Y. Hilton and I was Mm -hmm. you guys are you guys are crazy that was um let's let's transition (laughs) to some (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Let's transition to some big news. Uh, we're not going to talk about the off-the-field stuff, but Tyreek Hill uh, is in trouble again. Uh, similar situation to what happened in college. Uh, but really, what do we do for Dynasty? We were talking a little bit of it before we started recording, you guys, and it sounded like nobody is really excited about Tyreek Tyre Hill on their rosters right now. So I guess Ryan will go to you as, as really the, the, the biggest proponent of the three of us last offseason for Tyreek Hill. Uh, are you ready to kind of get out uh, a panic mode, or are you just going to kind of hold on and see what happens? No, I'm, I'm definitely holding on, and, and maybe in some cases even buying if, if there's some panic out there. But as far as, you know, I, I guess this, this incident, first of all, we, we really don't know anything, uh, or, or at least very little. Uh, and we certainly don't know enough to say that he is, is guilty of anything. He, he hasn't been charged. Uh, he has, certainly hasn't been arrested or anything like that. So um, I think there's a real chance. And, and it's tough to be sensitive in these situations because obviously if he is guilty or, or even involved, then the football, the f- fantasy football, the dynasty just means nothing. And it's, it, it, 
it's just something that would make you sick. But um, trying to keep it on the fantasy football topic, I think there's a real chance he gets no suspension, nothing out of this. Um, and if that's the case, then obviously the uh, those of us buying or taking advantage of that panic would be pretty happy. Yet at the same time, if he does somehow, you know, avoid uh, any type of consequences, whether legal or or from the league, uh, this is this is just a reminder that this guy has uh, at the at the very least some concerns with his his behavior, his choices. Ryan, what's your what's your buy point? Like, you're still giving up a first round pick for him? Oh yeah. Yeah, I, I, offer, I offered, um, I made a few offers, and the one I, I re- remember off the top of my head was uh, T.Y. Hilton, even up, and that was rejected. Interesting. Dan? What I said about Tyreek before, before we started the show, like you mentioned, Matt, it w- was he was on that list of guys you were especially excited about having on your roster before the news broke on this. And I don't think he's on that list anymore. He, he's not one of those guys that you're – Probably not really looking seriously at trade offers that come in unless they blow you away. I, I, now now he's on the list of, well, if somebody sent me the right offer, I'd trade him. I don't know if his value necessarily has gone down at all. I think it's only the perception of how acquirer-able, if that's a word, that he is. <laughs> uh, may, maybe owners out there are now thinking, well, if I could get out and get what he's worth, I would I would trade him now. So I'm not one of the guys that's necessarily going to go out and send offers and try to acquire him right now. I have a few shares. I've thought about trying to sell them with this news uh, or at least maybe sell one or two of them just to hedge a little bit because I'm count me as one of the guys that are nervous anytime that a athlete or, or a very valuable dynasty asset with a history of involvement in this kind of thing or, or anything off the field really there's rumors or reports that he could potentially be involved in another incident. I get nervous and you know, too many times I've sold and been happy about it. I rarely have sold in those instances and really, really regretted it. Really. The only way you sell right now is if you take too little or if you trade him for what he's worth and he be, and he plays at the same level for multiple years and, and is never suspended. So um, I, I think there's a chance of a suspension, you know, while it might be less than 50% based on what we know right now, it's certainly a realistic, a realistic outcome of what's happened, happened to this point. So, you know, I'm nervous. I would, I would look at every offer closely and, and at least send a, send a few responses out if, if you had any interest in your league. Just for fun, let's see if we can find a line. I moved him down to wide receiver 11, Dan, after the news from wide receiver 6. So Tyreek Hill or Julio Jones? I still want Tyreek Hill. Me too. All right. Antonio Brown? I still want Tyreek Hill. Stephon Diggs? Oh. Um, Because the age factor, that one's closer, but I'd take Hill. Cooper? I'll take Cooper. 
Okay. So somewhere in that like seven to 10 range is, is where, where we got them. I think uh, I just looked at Ryan's ranking. He still has them up at six. So not quite as concerned as the rest of them. I just moved him down there. Cause like you said, you know, it's just a player that you're not as excited about on your roster and kind of that area just after Julio is where I start kind of getting feelings about, about those guys. So certainly nothing scientific there. Ryan, you, if somebody offered you Cooper today for Hill, you'd, you'd hold on to Hill. Well, I have Hill ranked higher. Um, I, th- I think that's close enough that that I would have to consider that. Yeah. Um, what I was going to say there is that, as I said, at, at the very least, if if this turns out to be somehow false, or if the, the his wife or girlfriend, I'm I'm not sure of the status there, but if the female involved is somehow the one, and and she was, it's all her, and he's just not involved at all. If if somehow he escapes all of this without any penalty, again, at the very least, this has to serve as a reminder or a warning that he does have this uh, this stuff in his history, in his background, and we may get a get a trade window here if this passes, uh, and we're we're late into the off season and and things look all systems go. That might be the trade window. I think the word for me to describe the entire value of hill at this point is skeptical i'm 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 skeptical even if he even if all that does happen ryan and he escapes any kind of uh suspension or or even being involved in reports going forward about this incident i'm still going to be skeptical about it because he he did admit to the exact same type of situation once already in his past and you know, there's always the potential of, you know, you don't really want to talk about it, but a cover-up or or anything to keep his name out of it. Those those possibilities exist. So if that were the case and they were successful and they, they got his name removed from everything involved and he escaped everything, the potential of another occurrence is very, very strong then. So that's a factor I think we have to at least know is is possible going forward. Yeah, I totally agree. That's that's what I was trying to say. Maybe not as well. Okay, one more uh, not as much fun to th- thing to talk about, but Kareem Hunt, at least we know now, he's going to have an eight-game suspension with the Browns. So what do we do with this guy in Dynasty, Dan? Uh, you know, it's the other flip side of the coin. Um, he, he's on the back side of his situation, and now, like you said, we, we know what happened. So going in, it's almost like you – well, Kareem Hunt is hurt for the first half of the season. But instead of worrying about, is he going to come back 100%, we know he should be 100%. And when he does come back, we'll have the Kareem Hunt. Now, what kind of role he'll have in that offense and, and you know, what percentage of the touches or percentage of the uh, snaps he'll get, That those are all question marks. But at least with him, we know he's on, like I said, the backside of his. Now, there's there's a lot of other factors that you have to kind of bake into trying to figure out where Hunt's value is. Um, on top of the on-field stuff, once he comes back, there's, just like Hill, the potential for another occurrence or the same type of thing to happen again. So I see his value as an uphill trajectory from this point. With every day that passes, we're one day pa- closer to seeing Hill, uh, Hunt back on the field. And there's a definite target date for that. So dynasty owners are going to continue to look at that as, okay, we're closer to getting that 
that dynamic athlete back on the field. So whatever he's worth today, I see him as being worth more when training camp opens and being worth even more than that when when the preseason starts and, and we see those reports. And, and by the time week four or five happens, the value goes up even farther. So if you're a hunt owner and you're especially nervous, I'd continue to hold at this point because the value is going to go up. Are you going to buy, though, Dan? It sounds like he's a buy for you. Yeah, I would buy, uh, especially late first. Late, late first, I'm, I'm, I'm buying. Anything more than that, the 110-ish, that seems like about the line to me. Um, maybe you'd go a little bit higher if you had the need or something like that. Uh, yeah, I'm a buyer for sure, but there's, there's certainly a line. My concern with Hunt and, and looking at DLF rankings, I actually have him ranked higher than anybody else, I believe, uh, just about. Looks like, looks like maybe second highest. But my concern for him is opportunity. Uh, we know the, the uh, competition he's going to face with Nick Chubb there. We know he's going to miss half of the 2019 season. And we know if they want to, Cleveland controls his rights in the 2020 season as well. So if he plays well, if he um, behaves himself, we can say, then they're going to have him on their roster in 2020, uh, along with 2019. And also in 2020, we're going to get up to, what, eight or ten running backs potentially in, in this loaded class and if you're a if you're a team in 2020 or 2021 who has a running back need, are you going to spend a second or a third or a fourth round pick on a rookie with a ton of upside that you've scouted and you feel comfortable with? Or are you going to pay a big free agent contract to Kareem Hunt with this this history and, and this, you know, black eye on the league and on his own record? I just I just don't know. It's hard to for for me to see him. Uh, getting a starting job, honestly. I guess I just don't think he would cost that much, I guess. I guess I don't think it would be that big of a contract for him. And, I mean, I, and for me, I think the – I mean, you never want to bank on injuries, but if Hunt, but if, uh, if Chubb goes down in the second half of the season or the first half sure. of the season or whenever, I mean, you're looking at like a, just such a huge value spike there that I think it's, it's worth that late first investment for me too. Yeah, and all that he has to do to and, – and I don't think, Ryan, the – potential for a big contract even exists i think i think all that could happen and he could light the league on fire in the second half of the season and hit free agency a year from now i don't think a big contract is coming kareem hunt's way and and suddenly he's going to be the guy for sure for years to come in one in in a specific nfl city so you know with that all said there's a year-to-year basis with kareem hunt at least for the next few seasons that there's the potential for him to be a top five or six running back in the game if he lands in the right spot or gets the right amount of carries or opportunities. So I think we have to at least recognize that. And, you know, while he doesn't need to be, you know, nobody should be trading the fifth pick in the draft for him, in a rookie draft for him, he, there's, there is a line and there is value for Kareem Hunt going forward. Well, he's in he's in a tough spot though with that contract he signed, and assuming I'm reading it correctly, I think I am. Basically, if he performs well, if Cleveland wants to keep him in 2020, they can. So if he performs well, if he 
doesn't have any other off-field issues, they're going to keep him at a, at a cheap uh, a cheap deal. So if things go well, he's stuck in Cleveland for another year. If things don't go well, nobody's going to want him anyway. So maybe it's lose-lose. I, I, I guess I haven't seen those reports of the contract. I was the under under the assumption that it was just a one-year contract. So, so maybe that would change things a little bit, and I should look a little bit more closely into it. If that's the case, I see your trepidation or your, your worry that this could be a lose-lose situation for a dynasty owner if they don't take what they can get at this point. I think, and I, I don't even think he's a sell. I still agree with you guys I would be buying because when you're talking about that late first or if it's even cheaper uh, price tag, you're right. He's, he's one Nick Chubb injury away, and we know Chubb has that injury history. He's one Nick Chubb injury away from being a weekly RB1. But, yeah, after the 2019 season, uh, he's an exclusive rights free agent, which basically none of those guys ever get out of town if the team wants to keep them. Well, let's uh, let's wrap up here, guys, with a few listener questions that we didn't get to last week. We got one from Brent Moore at the Bull. Hey, Matt, love the podcast. Thank you. Twelve team standard PPR dynasty league. The team has lots of holes at wide receiver. Some needs at running back as well. He has the one hundred and two, and he was offered Philip Lindsay and the twenty twenty first for his one hundred and two from a team that finished as the number three seed last season. So probably a late twenty twenty first. What do you think, Philip Lindsay in the twenty twenty first, Dan, or the one hundred and two? Oh, that that's pretty close. I'm glad he gave all the information about that that likely being a late 2020 first. I think I'm gonna hold because of the. I think I'd hold on to the 102 at this point, um, if nothing else, because I believe that offer is still there in in a month when when we get close to rookie draft season, and I think there's the potential for a better offer down the road. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think that's. That's a great point that Dan made. Uh, a lot of times we get these offers in February, March, even early April, and uh, we get kind of e- either gun shy or we get a little too excited and make deals before we should. Uh, the The 2020 picks, we're already excited about those, but the value of those are not going to change in the next two months. Philip Lindsay, I, I, it's hard to see him gaining any value in the next two months. Dan's right. That that offer will be there if you like it in uh, six or eight or ten weeks. All right, let's go to Zachary at Sports Sergeant. Uh, this looks like a question about a uh, modified quarterback scoring league. I, I, correct me if I'm wrong, if anybody knows, but I think James Coe, formerly of NFL.com, was a big proponent of this six, six points for touchdown, four, negative four points for interception uh, format here. And he wants to know who you guys would rather have at quarterback, Trubisky, Newton, Winston, or Garoppolo in that kind of format. Ooh. <laughs> I know, right? Well, when, I thought it was a boring question at first, but then you figure in that scoring and you're like, wait a minute. Yeah, that, that, <laughs> this is a little bit interesting. That's a fun one. Uh, I mean, Winston and Garoppolo are certainly going to throw their share of, of interceptions. We know Cam Newton has that, uh, that shoulder injury and, and the surgery that he recently underwent that we have to be a little bit concerned about. And t- to me, Trubisky is just a, a tear down from any of those guys still. I would probably take Garoppolo as my top guy in that one but that's that's close all around yeah it's close and and I agree Trubisky is is just a notch below um 
to me, it's Garoppolo or Newton. I think we've seen what Winston is, although with the new coaching staff in place there and the potential for, for a step up in production and, and maybe slow down those turnovers. Um, we haven't seen it with him. I think, I think I lean towards Garoppolo as well. The youth, the offense, the coaching staff, um, the up-and-coming playmakers in that offense, I, I think I lean towards Garoppolo, but that's an interesting question for sure. Yeah, I'll agree, Garoppolo. Uh, for it's really a coin flip between Newton and Garoppolo for me, but I'll, I'll lean Garoppolo there as well. Uh, a couple more here. Let's go through these last two real quick. Mark Riggs at mriggs91. What's Marlon Mack's value, and would you take trade a mid or late twenty twenty first for him? I definitely would. Dan, you would trade a twenty twenty first for Mack. Late twenty twenty first. I have on a contender. I have no problem with that at all. Oh, see, I, I'm not. I've been a Mac fan for a long time and it feels like Indianapolis is about to add another, another running back, a a guy that can play that kind of role or be the kind of guy that, that would be on the field regularly. I don't think I'm making that trade today. I'm not trading a mid 2021st for him just yet. Um, I'm, I don't know if I'm necessarily taking a mid 2021st either. So that might be where the line is. Yeah, as as of our recording right now, they are set to visit with Jay Ajayi uh, this week. I don't, I wouldn't necessarily be too concerned with that if I was a Marlon Mack fan, uh, but I'm not, so I definitely would not give a first rounder for him. <laughs> uh, I would, uh, I would rather have the first there. I guess I'm taking it as he successfully avoided all the, the, the scary names in free agency, so it seems like they uh, they might have a little bit more trust in him than we think so, yeah. but I guess if Ajayi comes there, maybe uh, maybe it's something, and maybe they draft somebody, but I kind of feel like he's going to be involved and, and probably as the lead back at this point. Uh, but that's going to do it for this week on the DLF Dynasty Podcast. For Ryan, for Dan, I'm Matt, and we will chat with you next week on the DLF Dynasty Podcast. <laughs>